one more quick point. The other buzzword of the year, uh, accessory dwelling units. <laughs> that's, that's coming. <laughs> that will come on the EDC meeting this week. And so yeah. we're looking forward to continuing to try to expand the housing options for everybody. Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFBR.FM, and in the local Franklin, Massachusetts area, FM dial at 102.9. Here today with a Talk Franklin episode with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Jamie, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Steve. It's 46 in February. And um, knock on wood. After this, after this bitter <laughs> Arctic. So if anybody wanted to know what it was like in the Yukon territories or in Greenland or Iceland, uh, last weekend was it. It was pretty incredible. Um, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, I should say for the record, before we get into the list of items, you know, most of our buildings did really well. Most, yes. Um, you know, unfortunately, there obviously were a couple of exceptions. We had a, we had a problem at the senior center, um, which um, is going to take some while to correct. Ultimately, most of our buildings really, really did well. Uh, we didn't have any troubles. Um, and we know that the fire department was on a lot of calls. But all things being considered, we're sitting here today on a near 50-degree day after, um, you know, probably not a once-in-a-lifetime, but a pretty rare Arctic blast of true Arctic weather. Um, and, uh, and so we're Who's sitting here in good shape. Yeah, to this point, rare, but unfortunately, we're expecting this frequency to increase. And that's not good, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. It's the same issues with like rain we're seeing, right? Pipes yeah. were built in buildings 20 years ago that's not weren't built for the amount of quantity of water that came sometimes comes down in a shower. So mm -hmm. I agree with you, Steve. That's the main point. You you hit it the nail on the head. Uh, you know, we've always been as New Englanders, Steve, like been able to adapt to the weather. Stick around. You know, it's going to change. We've always in five been minutes, a little right? cranky <laughs> and a little whiny about the yep. weather, and I yep. am too. You know, and and here we are with different types of weather. So we, we we're going to get through all this, but uh, what a weekend! And um, you know, we got a lot of meetings coming up. Um, the Community Preservation Committee met last night, had their public hearing. Uh, we had a couple comments. Uh, one regarding uh, ADA access on some uh, trails. Yep. Great, great uh, feedback, and also uh, Alan Earls gave. Um, he wrote a letter in, um, um, he wasn't able to attend, but gave some ideas that we hadn't heard before, um, actually Good. Um, considering the Oliver Pond home, which yes. is up for sale. Sure. Um, looking at some, uh, potentially additional investments like we did to the town clerk, uh, for records preservation, yep. um, and some other, uh, trail and open space, uh, preservation needs particularly at Maple Gate, the country club. Uh, there's rumors out there of a project happening. And so uh, I do appreciate Alan and everybody's feedback and comments. And just for the record, to close out CPC, I said it last night, um, there's now no deadline associated with application. Um, that was right. only a feature of the first year because of the legal advertisement requirement. Right. But anyone out there that has an idea of a project um, on uh, open space, historic preservation, or affordable housing, um, you know, there's an online application on our viewpoint system on our website. Mm -hmm. People can also just walk in the office, give us a call, send us an email um, about some ideas. So if anybody's listening to this and they have ideas, you know, certainly let us know. Because that, for the reference, for the newer listeners, we did go through that process last year because it was the first time we were doing it. 
So legally, you needed to do one. You did two to make sure we got enough voices in there. There was a whole lot of input. And now we've got the first plan. This is our second get through the process. And yeah, it'll be an ongoing piece. So that's that's cool. Nothing wrong with that. It is great. And then you got the finance committee later today. Clearly, by the time this gets out, it'll be behind us. (laughs) But I'm sure some things will come out of that other than stormwater, which will be a separate communication piece from coming out of the town council meeting. There's a separate effort that TV, radio, and the department heads are working on to bring out some uh, key information around stormwater and what it means and how to take the mitigations. uh, Credits. 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 In order to uh, avoid sticker shock when it comes out in July 1. I've realized with a lot of the feedback, Steve, no, I, there cannot possibly be a citizen that is thrilled to have a stormwater fee. I, I just, it's against all of our like human yeah. nature, right? right. Um, I will say that most people that have called to complain when they see, and I, and I can, I do for them the analysis of how much it will cost. I find 90% of those folks are like, oh, I'm still not happy, but I think there was a misinformation or there's an assumption mm-hmm. sure. that it has to be sticker shock. Right. And, um, and you know, most people are kind of going to end up paying like, you know, 40 bucks, right? Yeah. Um, especially for those who have smaller homes on fixed incomes um, or whatnot. And so the stormwater uh, credit manual will be discussed tonight at the finance committee, but more just as importantly, if not more importantly, the permitting agencies, the planning board, the conservation commission, the building inspector, building commissioner, the board of health are all going to do their first presentations ever in my eight years here before FinCom. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I expect the discussion, Steve, to be less about budgets and more about revenues and trends and things of that sort. Um, so if people are interested in that, they can go back and listen to the tape. It'll be on YouTube. Um, it'll certainly be running around on Franklin uh, TV and it'll probably be on Franklin Matters and audio. But I do expect to hopefully have positive and good discussion about these critical agencies, who, by the way, are some of the very few departments we have that are actually mandated by state statutes. Yes. You know, I know it's a shock to most people to hear this. But we don't actually, and we're not legally required to have paramedics or a police department or, or whatever. We are legally required to have a board of health. We are legally required to have a public health nurse. We are legally required to have a planning board. And so these are, in, and there's a legally required to have a building commissioner to update mm-hmm. um, building code. So right. these, as you know, Steve, from going through many meetings, these budgets are very routine and rote. Um, every year, they're mainly the same as they were the year before. Some modest personnel investments here and yep. there. But I think tonight's discussion will be more around development, growth, revenues in the budget. Um, going back to that session we did, I think, a year or two ago, where we did a half hour cliff notes on revenues Yes. in front of the FinCom, yep. um, you know, kind of where the flag was pointing, put into the ground, yeah. said, this is the this is the half hour you need to learn about revenues. I actually think that will come up tonight, which will be pretty exciting mm-hmm. to talk about something other than expenses. 
Yeah, and this parallels the track that we're working on, as you're aware, too, with the EDC discussion, the Frank for all, Franklin for All piece in terms of the process of getting a building proposal or development proposal mm -hmm. through the process. Well, these are some of the other steps in the pre-key process, whether it's design review, health, board of health, right. building. Is, yep. Those are the inputs and or hurdles, gates in some cases, mm -hmm. and fees associated with. So when people start talking about it's too expensive to do this, well, this is how they're doing it. And this is why they're doing it. And, oh, by the way, this is why the fee is what it is. That's right. And um, and I think I, I hope one of the other takeaways that comes out that if folks that are listening today don't get a chance to see it is we have a thing every Wednesday afternoon at three o'clock where we invite in any developer builder that wants to get a preliminary review before mm -hmm. they file yeah, um, tech review sessions. called tech review team. All of our department heads on these all work together. A lot of other towns, they're in fiefdoms. One's in this office in this building and others in another building. You know, some don't like each other. <laughs> you know, they don't yeah. talk. Um, that's not the situation and that's unique. Um, and so I, am hoping that that comes out tonight about how we, about how we do business in Franklin as well. Mm -hmm. yeah, and in terms of doing business and segueing into our next opportunity, certainly has been a regular feature of our conversations about citizen engagement. And oh, by the way, it's in big opportunities in front of everybody today. <laughs> This is. I'm sure you've seen some of the tweets that Lily's put out in social media posts. She's trying to separate out each committee a little bit and kind of mm -hmm. get some renewed interest. We've received about a maybe a dozen to two dozen applications for all the committees. Um, if anyone out there, as we plugged before, is interested in the future vision of your community, the town of Franklin, of the next 10 to 15 to 20 years, um, and you've got extra time on your hands, which is probably where most people don't have a lot. Mm -hmm. But in all seriousness, if you are excited about housing and facilities and school redistricting and open space and recreation plans and housing production plans, the town master plan committee is for you. Most people think this is some big thick document. We do pay a lot of money for it. And you stick it on a shelf. As Brian alluded to, I think two years ago, he did an update. Right. And it's amazing. They put out a vision and like 80% of it's done. And that was two or three years before this one was to expire. Sure. You know, community preservation now has accomplished a lot more of those goals. So it actually really is a plan that people follow. It's a roadmap. It's a blueprint. It's really about yeah. your community. If you're out there listening and you're in your 30s or 20s or 40s and you care about these types of quality of life issues for your property or your school children or whoever, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. um, this is the committee to look at. Um, and if you don't want to be on the committee, which is a big time commitment, certainly watch the meetings for a year. Um, there's, there's come to the meeting and give some input. Yeah, And it doesn't need yeah. to be a letter. I, I can't stand it when I hear from citizens. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Just come and tell us your feelings. Right. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Um, and the same thing is to be said for the Davis Thayer Reuse Committee. Everybody in town knows where Davis Thayer is. I cannot imagine there are that many people that that don't have an opinion or an idea or curiosity about what that building might become. Um, it's also a three and a half acre parcel with a beautiful ball field on it next to the library. So there's a lot to do. Um, there's six, I believe, five or six citizen seats for that. I think it's, it's five on that one. Five, no. And then six yeah. for the master plan. Six, six seats the master for the plan. master plan. Yep. And then we also have a police station building committee, which largely is run by um, 
This largely falls under state law system, chapter 149. It's a building committee. Yep. It's a building committee. And so ultimately, there's really not a lot here unless you're a civil engineer or an architect or construction supervisor, um, you know, and you're in the building and trades world, then this would be something you might be interested in. And, you know, um, you know, this is a project long in the making. Um, we do need a new police station badly, um, you know, especially as we diversify the police department. Um, we've hired a female officer every year for the last six years. And we uh, plan on hiring a lot more. And so, you know, we need we need facilities that represent, you know, the community we want to be represented by. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in addition to all the other stuff um, that goes into uh, a new facility. But um, it'll be a really exciting time. And like you just said, to, to wrap it up, Steve, you nailed it. Like if people are looking to get engaged or people want opinions heard, don't do all about Franklin. If you want to sit there and, and and Facebook, that's fine. But no one, now a lot of that just goes into social media cyberspace. These committees and their meetings being on them or attending them or paying attention to them, these are where the local decisions are going to matter to your quality of life the most and where your comments and ideas and thoughts and curiosities are going to happen. So hopefully mm -hmm. we'll get a, a great batch of candidates for all of them. And we're really looking forward to getting these started probably later this spring and over into the summer. Right. And to add into the master plan piece, I've sped read through the abridged version, which is 39 pages. The full plan <laughs> is in excess of 200. So yeah, they are big docs, but they are meaty and they've got specific action item sessions, which yeah, you referenced Community Preservation Act was an objective listed in there to try and reconsider if we would pass it. Yay, we did. Check. We got it. Yeah. The green right. community was also something we should apply for. Check. We did it. We got it. Right. So there's a bunch of things that have been accomplished. And the key piece now is, OK, what next do we need to do? Is there something else in conservation space? Is there something else in green space? Is there something else <clears throat> whether it's even recreation, sidewalks, what's the prioritization list? Because the other point to tie off in my conversation with Tom and in my conversation with Glenn Jones, who's just coming because he's the chair of that committee coming forward. Those are going to become the objectives, which verily will become your objectives in terms of determining what the town's going to do for us over, on you know, for the next 10 years until it's completed. And one more step for the listener out there. This is where the stuff goes and gets done to shape the community that you see every day. Mm -hmm. So for all those that are miserable and yell and scream at the at the building that's being built across the street from the car wash on East Central, get involved. You know, if you want to see like we know for a fact, open space was a bigger priority of the community than maybe what we maybe what people thought 10 years ago. Right. They showed up. And last night was a great example of a gentleman that showed up to to um, just simply request maybe looking at some additional ADA accessibility on some narrow trails, kind of like at the national parks, right, where you go to a lot of national parks yeah. and they've always got a half mile loop or a full mile loop sure. of, yeah. of well-designed stuff. Mm -hmm. And we were able to actually comment a little bit on what we've done philosophically, some of the actual improvements we have done, yep. some of the challenges that, and he was really appreciative. Yeah, It was okay. It was a five minute exchange. He came, he gave it and he said, wow, you know, I didn't know you guys were doing that. And, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully you can consider this in the future. And we said, absolutely. So like, you know, and I think that made everybody feel better. 
because we are doing a lot can't clearly as we've discussed we can't do it all we do have we are constrained by oh money and resources yeah. and time right. as well as some of the you know yeah, yeah. other pieces that we need which in mm -hmm. some cases are on back order for months and months and months but you know at least we have a working list and now this is going to be the new list so if you want to put some input into it now's the time now's the time and you'll probably for those who are regular listeners, you'll hear this again next month. <laughs> yes, yes, because this this is going to be ongoing, and certainly in the yeah. 18 to given, call it a, a, a midsummer start for the master plan, it's going to be 18 months. So it's going to be a year yeah. and a half yeah. um, before. And there, from what I understand too, is part of the process from before, after the plan by the committee and subcommittees do all their pieces, then there will be the formal process of public hearings. Mm -hmm before planning board and town council formally accept that doc, which then commits us to doing that work. That's right. That's right. So even after the 18 months, you still have time, <laughs> but don't wait. <laughs> Better now. Better now. Better now. No time like the present. No. And then town council meeting next week, next Wednesday in particular, I believe at least the inclusionary zoning we know is coming up, but there might be some other things there. The big piece, um, yep, is the capital plan will be before them. And then also um, uh, more equally as important or whatever important is inclusionary zoning. Um, um, let's just um, frame this the way it, it should be. Nobody probably knows what inclusionary zoning means. That's okay. Right. Um, and it is a way, um, you know, the thing I think that people need to realize out of this is these are incredibly challenging zoning bylaws to put through in any community. Um, there's stories from every municipality in Eastern Massachusetts about the debate at town meeting or their city councils over inclusionary. Inclusionary zoning basically says at a certain development, not single family homes, not double deckers or triple deckers, but when a housing development is of a certain amount of units, in this case, 10 or more, one out of every 10 of those units, 10% has to be deeded, deeded affordable. That is the only guaranteed technique. Deeded affordable units are the only guaranteed technique in the toolbox right now to guarantee a unit of housing does not get caught up in the market price. And the town of Franklin has been talking about this for 15 years, at least, if not longer, and routinely has not been seen as something that uh, the town wants to do. And um, give Councillor Hamlin, uh, the chair of the EDC, and all the other members a lot of credit. They had a lot of meetings. You were there for a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of amendments. Um, you know, sometimes the sausage making is not always pretty. But if you're looking for the fact that different members of the EDC town council, the EDC and the ZBA were all on these committees um, to be able to get to a seven to nothing unanimous vote to move the proposal forward is a is a absolutely astronomical achievement. It's huge. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, a lot of the stuff gets worked out and people vote unanimously on a lot of things, but not usually on something this incredibly uh, difficult. And so this week we'll start the process of those two uh, bylaw legislations um, to go through to try to increase uh, the amount of affordable housing in town, 
Um, it's also de-densifying some of the areas in the downtown, uh, but it's also encouraging uh, to conform with the state law, MBTA communities is what it's called. It commits us to a buy right of 15 units per acre, which is actually much less than what's in the downtown commercial. Mm-hmm. And it should at least help some folks be able to package together a financing plan uh, to actually get more units in the downtown. <laughs> a footnote of this bylaw that's also really important for people to know is that we are now uh, allowing by right for the first time ever triple deckers as well. So if you yes. live on a quarter acre lot, <clears throat> half acre lot in downtown, you have a single family home, it's older. You know, those are the ones that are also, quite frankly, ripe for uh, replacement or um, ripe for a renovation, mm-hmm. where instead of maybe one unit, you're getting two or three. Those are now allowed by right. Um, so people should be able to have the affordable housing stock. One more quick point. The other buzzword of the year, uh, accessory dwelling units. <laughs> That's, that's coming. Um, that will come on the EDC meeting this week. And so yep. we're looking forward to continuing to try to expand the housing options for everybody. Um, I'll leave on this note. Um, one of the things that I think um, people can't underestimate enough is that um, we're doing everything we can to try to provide the human element to housing. Um, very complicated issue, profit margins, development, all this stuff is um, is really, really challenging. And Massachusetts has always struggled with this because we're a high-wage state and a high-education state, um, and it's a high quality of life. It's just the facts, Jack. And we're number one in millions of things because we are a great state, which makes it un- unaffordable. But we also, like you, Steve, like myself, have had a trying few years, right? And there's everything's changed in the world. Mm-hmm. And Councillor Hamlin and I have talked about this a couple of times about just realizing that we may not be able to do everything, but we still have to try to do some things that allow people greater flexibility in their lives for caregiving, for younger kids that are unable to afford units right now, um, family members that are in transition, divorces, passings in their family, Everyone's looking for a little convenience. And I think there's been too many great stories of families coming together, um, having a greater convenience in their life, having some more flexibility, having grandparents around to take care of the kid, babies, mm-hmm. sure. having younger folks transition from college back into the workplace, save a few dollars. There's a lot of human benefits to a lot of this. And I hope that as we move forward on the accessory dwelling unit conversation, we don't let the perfect be the enemy, the good, and we can make some modest tweaks to our bylaw that will hopefully encourage people to do that. So um, that's it for housing. If people are interested in housing, they should tune into the council and EDC meetings this week, February 15th, and um, and just keep uh, keep your head in the game and, and hopefully we'll be able to make some good adjustments. Yeah, and adjustments and even through this, there'll also still be an opportunity further in the master plan to tweak it if we need to. But I would think once we get through most of this, and for those who, if they haven't already seen the prior EDC Plus meeting, I think the insightful piece was the coming together through the multiple motions, some of which didn't even get seconded, some motions failed in terms of the amendments. And then ultimately, they did reach the consensus on the different points of kind of the picking up the sausage making theme, you know, so you got to turn the knobs in order to have the sausage go through. 
And then to your point, they ultimately agreed seven nothing to send it forward. So it took a little while to do that, but they did come together. And that was the key piece. Congress should be ashamed of itself. <laughs> they should. They should. I mean, I know the old the old metaphor. We like our congressmen or congresswoman, but we don't like Congress, right? Mm. You know, um, there's a diverse set of opinions on on this on this committee, right? Um, you know, Bruce and Greg are both in the business. They've been contractors for a long time. Um, Beth was a former town planner. You know, um, she's a planning board member. Mm -hmm. um, we have small business owners. Patrick's a teacher. Um, Kobe's a younger person trying to find his way. Um, you have folks that are retired on the committee or about to retire. Mm -hmm. um, you have people with school age kids, people with no kids. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of different opinions on the committee, and I I, I really. Congress would never spend the time to watch this because they're too important to do whatever they're doing, right? Um, which is very little these days. Um, they should watch this. To your point, some things just don't work. But you know what happens? I'm I'm a true believer that the other members of the committee say, "Wow, you know, you know, his or her motion didn't get seconded. All right, well, maybe that's not going to work." And then they say, then that triggers the brain to start thinking, "Well, I got to move a different direction here. What's next?" And part of that uncomfortable nature of the amendments mm -hmm. and everything sure. is also like a psychological program to make people understand, well, we can't do that. We have to come in here. We have to go over here. Let's think right. about this idea, you know? Yeah. And so really it came together at the end. And I, I, I have a lot of hope that the planning board and the council will approve the changes as is. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. it's good stuff. I've had hope from the really beginning because at least seeing the group in the full council, full planning board, and the MPC, MAPC group participating in the Franklin for All Plus committee specifically, ultimately they had the right vision, the right goal. They agreed in the ultimate place where they wanted to be. It was just going to take some time in order to, oh, I want to do this, I want to do it. Well, let's do it this way to come together to get there. And in some cases that's quick, in some cases it's not, but they got where they needed to be because they at least had that same vision to begin with. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, thank you for your time today. I know it's busy and you've got other things to do, but we at least had a chance to talk, Franklin, and let some the residents know and listeners hear uh, some of the inside story and they can participate and sign up for one of these other committees or at least follow the meetings and all the info that's associated with it, because there is a bunch, that's for sure. <laughs> I would say, uh, if anyone's interested in committees, um, be a speed reader. <laughs> yes, that would help. That would help. So, all right. Thank you so again, much, Jamie. I'm sure we'll see you around. And right. for the listeners, a quick reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. 
If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.